On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank, we jump right into local college football news. OU moved their opener. Watch list season continues, and we remember the life of John Blake. In the National College Football Roundup, we discuss the NCAA Board of Governors' decision, or lack thereof, what the Pac-12 and ACC schedules will supposedly look like, and Michigan State quarantining their entire football team. In Football Guys Talking Basketball, we break down the Oklahoma City Thunders scrimmages, we give you our winners and losers of the weekend, and get very controversial by presenting our death row final meal with items from local restaurants in Keeping It Local. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man Michael Hostie will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, July 27th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. Now we're recording this on Sunday night. How are we feeling, Ted? Good weekend? Solid weekend? I feel fantastic. The weekend was great. Um, I, I know all the news in the world isn't just uh, roses right now, but when it comes to college football, Gabe... I- I'm starting to get optimistic. I mean, I, I, I know I, I'm feeling the same way, man. I, I, we got scary. some, we got some news this weekend. It was very exciting. It seems like everything is, I, they're trying everything, Ted, but I, I spent this weekend in Colorado Springs. First time I'd ever been, we stayed at the Broadmoor, which I had heard a lot about and it was great. Very few complaints. Now, clearly, I, I don't think I experienced it uh, to its full capacity, if that makes sense. Some things were closed. There were some service issues, but all around, I'm not going to complain. It was pretty sweet. I've, never, I've only been to Colorado Springs one time, and that was to play Air Force. So that was pretty cool, but it looks like a beautiful area. Views are – because it's right there, right whenever you first come into the mountains, right? Yeah, it was gorgeous. There was no doubt, but cool. yeah, yeah, there were there were some logistic issues, but it it was still it was great. So shout out to the people at the Broadmoor. But one uh, now I don't want to call it oversight, but I don't really know another word for it. But Ted, they didn't have any Will and Wiley hard seltzers, and that's just I I I don't know I don't know what even to say, man. Hmm. Did you, this is, I thought we maybe learned this before that you're supposed to FedEx these to wherever you're going. So they're in your room and waiting, Gabe. Yep. That was a huge mistake. That, that's on me. <laughs> Guys, stop acting like you're too manly and just accept it. Hard seltzers are amazing. And there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast. And that is Will and Wiley hard seltzer from Coop Aleworks. 
It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate. It's made in Oklahoma, and it is absolutely delicious. I dare you to try the pineapple and say it's not incredible. Will and Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in a store near you, and go follow them on social media at at Will and Wiley, and tag us when you're drinking it. All right, Ted, let's get right to it. The local college football news, the opener, it has officially been moved. Hey, apparently, Teddy, we've been talking about this. Apparently, they finally found that waiver in the stack of, what, in the things to do pile there in Indianapolis, maybe. Someone finally cleaned out the the back room and checked out the fax machine, had a fax sitting there from Oklahoma. Yeah, like, what is this? I don't know. Seems important. We should probably look at it, but... OU and Missouri State is officially moved to August 29th. That gives them some flexibility at the beginning of the season. Still a lot of question marks about what this is going to look like, but now you look at it and they, the Sooners are going to play three games in five weeks to start the season. So we'll see what the coronavirus stuff and the protocols and all that stuff is looking like at that point in time. Now, there were, I don't want to say there was a lack of details, but no broadcast details, no seating capacity details, no safety protocol details. Those are going to come down the line. But ultimately, I felt like this was good news. It certainly was great news for Missouri State. I bet they are thrilled. I can see it right now. Uh, the news came out this weekend, and Nick Saban said, those bastards, they're playing on week zero. So look for Alabama to be playing on week zero for the rest of eternity so they can get that extra week of training camp practice. Yeah, do, do you think that's the, that's the biggest advantage for Oklahoma in this entire thing is that they're going to get that extra week of practice? They're gonna be, because they're going to be able to start earlier, right? That, yeah. that training camp date is going to move up because now, they, they are now a week zero team. Exactly. If they would have got this, this – um, news sooner they would have been able to enter that enhanced training camp uh quicker too but they they didn't find out really early enough to take much advantage of that so so um, yeah i think that's a big step because we just we we feel good about college football happening we still don't know so they may get into training camp and you know we haven't had spring football who knows if we play college football at a minimum you're going to get in and start practicing and get more practice done before anyone else if they do call this thing, say, mid-August. Yeah, and you look at it, training camp when OU was supposed to play, it was supposed to start August 7th, so you would assume it just bumps up a week, right? So they'll be able to enter camp, unlimited hours. That's always fun. Those are the best memories, right, (laughs) The best news ever. It's whenever you learn wait, you get to wait, go wait. to training camp a week early. Woohoo! Coach Riley, we get to start training camp early. All right. <laughs> would be miserable. But it's I, I think it's what a lot of OU fans wanted. They're gonna have the stage all to themselves. What there's gonna be like four games as of now, right? From week zero. Now we'll see. I, I think that broadcast detail is uh, something that a lot of people are interested in because you think it's gonna be the pay-per-view? I yeah, it's gotta I do. be right. It's gotta be. It's gotta I mean, be, and I think a lot of people are gonna buy it. Well, here's the thing. Um, I would say the Army game is the game right now that you're you have the most doubts about whether or not it happens. Um, um, we know that it's not going to take place in front of fans up there 
uh, as it's scheduled, is it going to move to Oklahoma? Uh, is it going to be rescheduled for another year? I don't know. So with that being the case, it can't be the Army game. You know, it's a, it's a road game anyways. You're not going to have Tennessee as a, a pay-per-view, so it's got to be that Missouri could, State game. Could you imagine the blowback if the Tennessee game got on pay-per-view? I, I, I know that would never happen, but could you just imagine that? That'd be hilarious. It'd be great. Let me ask you a question. Okay, let's say, let's say week zero – um, Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State, any of the teams that are uh, like you would consider Oklahoma to be in kind of in that group, and I think that's kind of your playoff teams. Let's say Clemson was playing some nobody on week zero. There's three other crappy games on, not power five schools. Would you pay 45, 50 bucks, whatever, for a pay per view to watch Clemson beat some team 60 to nothing? No, no. But my, it, I, the reason I ask is, but I Clemson's if, not my team. You know, if exactly. if it was OU, I'm, sure. Now, hopefully, we'll be at the game doing our radio gig, and because we're essential, everyone knows that we're essential. Right. Well, but my question is, though, is clearly all the Oklahoma fans are going to get it. But since there's nothing else going on week zero, and Oklahoma's got a new quarterback, Spencer Rattler. Do you think people across the country just to watch college football pick up on it more than maybe in the past? Yeah, there's no doubt, right? I mean, there's going to be people that are just dying to watch college football, and there's also going to be people that are just going to want to gamble on the game (laughs) just to feel alive, just to feel something, just to feel the blood coursing through their veins. And, yeah, they're going to order it. Now – when you talk about the pay-per-view and you know bringing in money for that, you won't have all the bars and restaurants ordering that game. Probably, well, I guess we'll see where we're at when it comes to that that standpoint. But yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. There'll be a ton of random people, just you know, casual college football fans are like, "Oh, well, Oklahoma's good. I want to watch them. Why, might as well. I got nothing else to do this weekend, right?" Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's going to be. Easily their biggest numbers for pay-per-view. Now, <laughs> it's not going to come close to making up for all the, the shortfall of not having people in the stands, uh, at least at full capacity for the whole season. But it could be one positive revenue situation that Oklahoma has going on here in the early season. Yeah, and we'll, we'll see. Uh, I was excited, though. It's what they wanted. They filed the wa- the waiver. It got approved. And now we roll on. They're trying to make that game. And there's no one happier than Missouri State about them trying to make that game work. All right, Ted. God, we'll play it any time you want as long as that check's waiting on us when we get there. We'll play it in the parking lot. All right. uh, We did get an update on OU's latest round of coronavirus testing for the players. 96 football players tested. Zero positives. Well, Teddy, it can't get any better than that, right? Once again, whatever they're doing in Norman from a protocol standpoint, it is working. So I I, I know there's no contact right now and they're not playing actual football and we'll see what things look like when that stuff starts taking place. But zero out of 96, that's pretty damn impressive. No, it is. Um, 
they had some of those numbers that were up early and they've worked it down. Uh, zero positives is fantastic. I mean, if they keep the, if they keep this up, it's great. I just, I mean, they, we've talked about it. Once the, once practice starts, what is that going to look like? I mean, because right now, if they would have had, you know, tested 96 guys, two positives, okay, no big deal. But if they're practicing football and we have two positives, it's going to be like, oh, my God, what do we do now? Who did they contact? Uh, were, were they in, in tight quarters with anyone? I mean, that's, that's when it's really going to get worrisome. Yeah. And, and until we're, – we're not going to know what that's going to look like until those situations – come right i mean we we've talked a ton about well football is kind of the exact opposite of what you want to be doing when there's a pandemic going on but they've clearly found something and i'm sure that their medical experts and the training staff and all those people they're they they've been working on protocols for when they actually start practicing so i don't know but i'm just really impressed right they started with double digit guys and now it's been a couple zeros in a row and clearly doing something right now Teddy last time I checked it is still the month of July which means it is still watch list season baby let's go and let's start with the Warfel Trophy which is a an award that has gained kind of a lot of recognition over the last couple of years it certainly has gained a lot more recognition than when I won it Yes, I will make myself feel awkward. I won the Werfel Trophy. Well, that's why it's got so much recognition now. After you (laughs) won it, it was really brought into the mainstream. So now it's like something everyone's always looking out for is going to get the Werfel Trophy this year. I, now they get to go to like the Home Depot Awards and everything. They get to walk the red carpet. I didn't get to do any of that shit. It would have been great. You should be able to go back retroactively now that you've slimmed down and you're actually appropriate for the red carpet. should be able to get to go walk it. Wow. Un- unnecessary shot right there, but okay. <laughs> yeah, no, but I agree. Why not? Why not? Now, Caleb Kelly is on the Warful Trophy watch list. So this is a guy, he, he's been on it before. And if he can put together a good year, with what he does off the field, because that's a big aspect of the Warful Trophy. It's clearly your play, uh, what you do in the community, and your academics. So Caleb Kelly, just everything you want when it comes to a team leader, uh, a guy in the community, but it just has to produce a little more on the field, right, Ted, to be yeah. in consideration for that award. Yeah, and I think he's going to have the opportunity. Heck, he's had um... – tons of time to get his body right he should be ready to go he should be ready to play some football interested to see him at that inside linebacker spot I mean we've talked about it a lot before just you know he's got all the tools required for it he's a big guy he can strike he's strong he can run Um, it's just a matter of getting more and more reps there and and learning the defense and and being able to play in it fluently to where you're not constantly thinking and wondering where you're supposed to be and and trying to uh, you know learn how to visualize things and and track your keys and all that stuff and you know whenever he gets to the point where he's just playing uh playing the game understands everything and, and just flying to the football he'll be just fine yeah and and really for him you just hope he stays healthy right that's that's what it comes down to a guy that is had some bad luck when it comes to injuries. But 
if he if he puts together a good year, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a guy that's a finalist for the Warfel Trophy with, you know, how impactful he is off the field. Just just a guy that you're glad is representing the University of Oklahoma, really does things the right way. Uh, the next watch list is an award that I don't think a lot of people know exists because I, when I saw it, I was like, wait, yeah, that's a thing, but I don't really remember who wins that ever. And it's called the Horning Award. Are you familiar with this, Ted? No, I didn't know what it was until you wrote it down on here. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I had heard about it, I think. And then I was like, wait, am I just inventing? Am I just lying to myself that I knew that this was an award? The Horning Award, that is H-O-R-N-U-N-G, Hornung. I don't know how to, I don't even know how to say it. So there's no way I knew this was an award. Horning is the, is in my mind proper because who says Hornung, right? Hornung. Hornung. (laughs) You can't even get it out of your mouth. (laughs) But it goes to the most versatile player in college football. So uh, a guy that plays offense and special teams, defense and special teams, you know, every once in a while, there's a guy that plays offense and defense and the Sooners Trey Brown is nominated for the Horning award. And he's a guy that clearly we're expecting big things from in the secondary this year, a guy that has the talent to be a lockdown corner, but also let's not forget that speed right in the return game. So if he can make a big splash defensively and then have a couple, you know, kickoff returns for touchdowns, that would put him in a good spot to win this award, I think. Yeah, and, you know, you just look back at the, the list of guys that have won it. It's a pretty good group. Um, Jabril Peppers won it in 2016 from Michigan. Everyone remembers him, played all over the field. McCaffrey won it there at Stanford. Shaq Thompson at Washington, uh, safety, running back, uh, linebacker. Lynn Bowden Jr. last year from Kentucky won it, a uh, really good athlete. So uh, it, that, it's going to be a nice list of players. So, I mean, I'm, I'm actually shocked we don't know more about this thing with some of the list of guys that have won it. But, yeah, at least to be on that watch list is huge. I hope he gets an opportunity to use that speed in some return games and stuff and, and have a couple kickoff returns for a touchdown. He'd have to do that to have any type of chance to win the thing. But uh, I definitely think, as far as corner's concerned, he's going to have a great year. Yeah. Uh, The next watch list is the Maxwell Award, which goes to the College Football Player of the Year. How many Player of the Year awards are there? I mean, there's – but, okay, I'm I'm not going to complain about the amount of awards. It is what it is. It's fine. Hey, the more awards, the better. Honor all the guys. I don't care. But – the interesting thing about this is there is no OU guy on the Maxwell Award watch list, and there are two Oklahoma State players. Now, Oklahoma State is the only school in the Big 12 with two players on this watch list, and those two players, of course, are Tylen Wallace and Chuba Hubbard, both guys that I think have a very realistic chance of winning a Player of the Year award but you just don't know, right? You just don't know what Tylen Wallace is going to look like coming off the knee injury. And it's kind of a mystery how Chuba Hubbard's going to be used in this offense. I, we've talked about there's no way he's going to get the same workload. Now, maybe he gets a few more receptions. I could see that, that aspect of his game 
becoming a little more involved this season, catching some more balls out of the backfield, maybe some more in the screen game, things like that. But when you have two players that are this good, Teddy, it's almost like the Jason White and Adrian Peterson thing, right, where if they're both playing really, really well, they're going to steal votes from each other exactly. Yeah, I think so. Um, When you look at the Maxwell Award, it goes back, and it's not complete lockstep, but there's a pretty good trend there with the Maxwell winner and the Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, Burrow won it last year. 18, Tua won it. Uh, Kyler Murray was robbed. Baker won it. Lamar Jackson won it. Derrick Henry won it. Marcus Mariota won it. So you kind of see that that goes down. And, you know, there are years in here, though, like Manti Teo won it in 2012. So there's guys that can't win the thing without being a, a Heisman Trophy winner. But you got to have an incredible standout year. So I don't know. I mean, I'll go back to the same thing I said about Chuba as far as Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year and Heisman Trophy. I don't see it happening. I don't see his carries being anywhere close to what they were a year ago. Um, you know, I they he did kind of sneak up on people a little bit through the early part of the season and later, you know, they just kept feeding the beast and you couldn't stop him. But I don't know. I just – I feel like he's – not that he's going to be have a bad year, but 2,000 yards I think is going to be really difficult for him to come close to again. Yeah, and one of the big things when it comes to these national awards is social media campaigns. How's he going to start a social media campaign for himself when he's not on Twitter? you got to get back on, Chuba. Come on, man. you got to start your Maxwell Award campaign right now. Hey, you know as well as I do that with a lot of these awards, it's it's about telling some story and the way his offseason, I guess, has gone would feed right into that story narrative. So, so far, that's probably been a plus for him, but he will have to reactivate that account, I think. Maybe he's the only guy that could ever tweet his way to a Maxwell Award. Hey, he's got to get back on <laughs> if, he, if he wants to win these big uh, – Clearly kidding, but um, yeah, that it that does play a part. We've seen the you know the Heisman campaigns that people start, and social media undoubtedly a big piece of that now. Now, another piece of local college football news: there had been a little rumor, right, that OU Texas could possibly go to a home and home the next two years. Joe Castiglione talked to our man Toby Rowland and basically shut that down very quickly, saying that Chris Del Conte and him haven't even talked about that. And he gave us a nice reminder that they have a contract with the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, I I don't see that happening. And we've talked about the Cotton Bowl being almost the perfect venue for two teams to just show up, play a game, and leave, especially with the fairs not going around it. I don't think a home-and-home makes sense right now you got to save that for when the Cotton Bowl – first of all, save it for when a uh, worldwide pandemic's not happening. That's just my opinion. I I think that would be be best because whoever got the home game this year, that would suck. Get screwed. Yeah, that would suck. And then whoever had the home game next year, hopefully life's gone back to a little bit of normal, at least from, you know, a college football fan's perspective. And they would have a full packed house when this year – that ain't what it's looking like. So, yeah, it didn't make much sense to me. you got to save that home and home. And I, I really want it to happen eventually. you got to save it, though, for when they do a Cotton Bowl renovation, right? When they really, really improve that 
stadium. Uh, I know they've done some good stuff to it over the last couple of years, but eventually, don't you think they'll do some big time renovation, add some bells and whistles to that old concrete palace? I mean, I think it's possible. Um, I th- it's going to be hard for them, though, with, with such few events that they host there whenever, you know, Jerry Jones built that monstrosity in Arlington. That kind of changed things. So um, they could use a renovation, though. Bathrooms, uh, you know, could use no, a no, no, no. updating. <laughs> no one ever complains about the bathrooms at the Cotton Bowl. Come on. It's like everyone tells me every year you got to bring your waiters with you to uh, the Cotton oh. Bowl for the OU Texas game. Uh, pretty horrible. But it's it's not pee. It's water. It's just water. It's not right. pee all over the floor. Here's the thing. You know, I'm happy that it's going to be in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, the thought of a home and home is cool, but you know, just like you said, that someone's going to get the short end of the stick, and that would have been us in this scenario. So. Uh, while I would love to, to, you know, a lot of people wouldn't want to go to a road game in Austin. I think it would be cool. I'd like to do that. But, I mean, all that being said, it's going to be the weirdest, most, um, I don't know. I, it's going to be one thing to play at home to a very small select crowd, different on the road, obviously. But in the Cotton Bowl, it's going to be – that that's going to make it feel totally like a scrimmage, like two teams just decided to meet halfway between each other and get a quick little scrimmage in. It's yeah. Strange. Yeah. That's that. I, I don't look forward to that. Hopefully, hopefully we take a big turn for the better before that game rolls around. And then the last piece of local college football news is, is very, very, very sad and unfortunate. Uh, John Blake dies at the age of 59 now clearly a lot of people know him from his association with OU right from Sand Springs played nose guard for Switzer was a hell of a player won a couple big eight titles uh, coached as an assistant at OU coached for the Cowboys and then replaced Schnellenberger at OU becoming the first black head coach in any sport at the University of Oklahoma um he recruited guys like Rocky Kalmus and Roy Williams. And just so sad that he's gone so young. And it really it seemed like he had made some lifestyle changes. And he was actually on the Buffalo Bills staff when I was there. And he was just a ton of fun to be around, man. Uh, we called him the Blakester. <laughs> he was – I mean, he was just he – w- he was always fun to have a conversation with. We could always shoot the shit about OU and have a good time talking about the Sooners. And I, I saw that news this weekend. And it it just sucks, man. 59, just way too young. And he meant to a lot of people. And I know he didn't have a ton of success as a head coach at OU, but that's irrelevant. Uh, that's irrelevant. He was just – he was an absolute pleasure to be around during every experience I had with them and just it's going to be missed man you you hate to see clearly you hate to see anyone go that early but a guy that influenced so many players Ted it's just incredibly sad yeah it is um you know I 
I had Trent Smith on the show last Friday to talk about it after the, the news broke. And he had some really good things to say. I, I had always heard about how good of a recruiter Coach Blake was. And uh, I met him. I had, I had a couple interactions with him. Um, nothing too much, but was hilarious, outgoing, biggest personality in the room. But, um, you know, Trent was talking about his recruiting class. And I, I had no idea. I mean, I knew these guys obviously played at OU, but the recruiting class that Trent Smith and those guys came in with is pretty amazing. Rocky Kalmus, Roy Williams, Trent Smith, Damian Mackey, uh, Andre Woolfolk. I mean, to a team that won like four games in the last two years, um, went out and found some really good, talented guys, got him here. And obviously those guys all turned down uh, into really good football players. And there's other guys on that list too that, uh, you know, Frank Romero, there's, there's a bunch of them. It was a really good recruiting class. But um, just the fact that he had – I always go back to this. I feel like I reference this every single time we, we do a show – but whenever we had Cole Kublik on and talking about coaches and, and developing relationships and, you know, Trent talks about his, his grandpa developed a relationship with uh, John Blake. Trent's grandpa like ran the uh, greenhouses on campus that used to be on campus. And John Blake used to walk by there and was interested in the flowers and stuff and ended up being lifelong friends with uh, Trent Smith's grandpa. Um, but it's just like, he was a guy that was, uh, relationship oriented and if you ever talk to any of his former players they all absolutely loved the guy here's another thing I was and a lot of people know this and have heard this by now but whenever I I heard it it was just it was jarring to hear that yes you mentioned it um, was the the first black head coach in any sport at OU but he was 34 years old whenever he got the job and wow. Lincoln Riley was 34, I believe, whenever he got the job. And that was like, wow, what a, you know, that's a huge story nationally, how young Lincoln Riley was. He was the offensive coordinator. Blake, uh, to my knowledge, had not had a coordinator job anywhere, had just been a position coach guy. So whenever Oklahoma brought him here at 34 years old, uh, first black guy of any sport to be head coach, I mean, they that that was groundbreaking man that was that was big time for Oklahoma uh young 34 years old whenever he got that job I didn't realize that yeah and just uh, you can imagine how charming he was in his interview because I, I mean if you've never met John Blake that that is a guy that he's just he's just a fun dude to be around and like you said he just knows how to talk to people he was always he was always a good time, always, always, and he will be missed by a lot of people. So rest in peace, Coach Blake. Uh, you were the man. You're the man. Quick now, funny thing about uh, John Blake before we go on. The first time I met him, um, so I, after my senior year, I went out to train in California, and we, we had like a, just a really quick like 10 days before – the senior bowl started. So they had a couple of former NFL coaches out there to kind of go, go through some of the drills we're going to be doing some of like the defensive stuff that you're going to be doing just to kind of a quick little preparation for what the senior bowl is going to be like. 
and Coach Blake was there working with the the defensive line guys. And so like whenever I first got to LA, I was meeting everyone out and they were out at dinner and I hadn't everyone had already been there for like a month, but we just played in the national championship game. So I was the last one there and I'll never forget I walk in the I walk in this restaurant and I can kind of see the group back in the corner. And the first thing I hear is uh, Coach Blake said, Hell, there he is right there. That's pigeon toe guy. Don't give me no slew footed guy. I want a pigeon toe guy any day. And I was like, Oh God, <laughs> there's Coach Blake. Uh, so it was, it was funny. He was, the moment I met him, he was the loudest guy in the restaurant, had, had everyone at the table laughing and smiling. He's, he's a great guy. And, and you are very pigeon toed, like very <laughs> pigeon toed. That's right. Yeah, so RIP to John Blake. He'll be missed. Gone too early. Now, Ted, let's move on to the National College Football Roundup. And that is brought to you by Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. As schools look to reopen in the fall, parents want to provide the best possible educational experience and spiritual development for their children. There's no better place for that than Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. A one-to-one iPad setting makes McGinnis students fully prepared to continue high-level learning from home. A 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio guarantees no student is overlooked. In addition to athletic programs and clubs, Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. Financial aid is available. For more information, visit bmchs.org. Now, Ted, there was a big meeting on Friday of the NCAA Board of Governors, and I'm sure they did something productive. I I would assume there was something that happened in that meeting. It's a big assumption. This is the NCAA we're talking about, guys. That's a a good point. That's a good point. But they did not make a decision about championship events for fall sports. Now, remember, conferences, uh, a lot of them still haven't figured out what they are going to do. So they had asked the NCAA to please hold off on a decision and the NCAA listened. The, the Board of Governors decided to hold off on any big time decision. Their next meeting is August 4th. But it's also good to remind everyone that the NCAA doesn't control the regular season in any sport. Now they control the postseason in several sports and tournaments and meets and other things, but they also don't have any control of big time college football have no role in the college football playoff but Ted it just seems like the NCAA is going to wait as long as possible at this point to make any decisions about championship events for fall sport for fall sports and I think that's the right move I think that's the smart move it's kind of like what we're seeing from the big 12 right yeah well I think so you know and it's funny because here we are at the end of July and we still have conferences, NCAA, people holding out before they make any final judgment on what's going to happen. And I think that's smart because things change weekly, they change daily, and uh, you never know what it's going to look like. So you don't want to say something definitely is going to happen or you don't want to say something definitely isn't going to happen right now. Think about it, though. It's the end of July. And we're still waiting on decisions. But there were people, president, university presidents, um, 
you know, people that were in charge of conferences, major media people out there saying, oh, we, we, I mean, we can't play college football. Like in the end of March, they were saying stuff like that. And it's, it was ridiculous then to jump to any conclusion because we just didn't know what was going to happen. And you got to continue to push it off and, and see exactly what it looks like uh, the closer you get. And here we are. We still don't know that there is no definitive answer. It's looking better, but – we still don't know. So, yeah, I think it's smart to hold off. I, I feel like Mark Emmert, it, throughout this entire thing, remember when he was like, hey, we're just going to let every school to decide what to do with the eligibility of the spring athletes. Do you remember that whole conversation? Just like, oh, no, no, we're going to leave that up to the schools where it's like they're trying to look good and be the good guy. They're just not very good at that. And I, I, I get the same feeling with this thing where they're sitting there going, you know what, we're, we're just going to hold off. We're going to be patient when really they just want the conferences to make the decisions for them, right? They right. just want to be like, okay, well, if enough people cancel, then it'll make sense for us to cancel all this stuff. Uh, they'll handle it for us eventually. They're not going to make any decisions still. Basically, every conference has decided what they're going to do. Ted, Mark Emmert, you're not fooling me. Here's, this is the new NCAA slogan. The buck stops with all 130 university presidents, not with the NCAA. That's it. There's no decisions being made here. <laughs> they're just like, well, technically – the NCAA, we're just the schools. We're, we're a conduit of the schools. Yeah, okay, man, whatever. But uh, I just thought it was fine. Now, I, I do want to give them credit. They did the right thing. They're being patient, and I think that's the only, only thing you can really do right now. Now, Ted, the Pac-12, remember, they already announced they're going conference only. But according to John Wilner from the Mercury News, he said that the Pac-12 is going to announce a 10-game conference-only schedule that will start September 19th. So they're going to push it back a couple weeks. Now that schedule is expected to have multiple bye weeks and to have a flexible conference championship game date sometime in December to be able to build in some flexibility in case any teams need to make up games. Now we're still holding on hope that the Big 12, since they only would have the nine conference games that they'll keep kind of a plus one format now of course we're hoping they play all the games that'd be great but when you look at the Pac-12's format that they're allegedly going to go with I kind of like it build in some flexibilities some bye weeks I think that's good for the kids anyways but I really like not setting the conference championship game date in stone just in case because we really don't know what the hell is going to happen with this entire thing so I like them building that flexibility into their schedule. And that way, if two teams can't play one week, you can make it up in the first, second week of December. It makes a lot of sense to me, Ted. I like it. Uh, I think it's uh, flexibility is what everyone wants right now because, like I said a moment ago, things change week by week. So if you've got some, some room for flexibility in there, I think it's fantastic. And I don't want to put the cart ahead of the horse, but – I think it's interesting to see how some of this flexibility works with, say, a, uh, a bowl schedule or, or just anything to where, like, if they've got to move it back in December a little bit. And I don't know, there's just, at, and 
who really cares about bowl season right now? Let's just, right. We'll play the season. Right. Let's just start playing before we even worry about that. But let's just get to week zero, shall we? <laughs> right. But I think it's, I mean, I love the idea of having a flexible championship game. If you need to move it back two weeks because there was, you know, a couple of weeks where you had to cancel or whatever, um, that would be great. Here's the other part though. Don't you feel like if someone has to cancel a game because of the coronavirus, they're going to cancel the season? That's that's kind of a good point. Yeah, I, I see where like I I understand what you're saying, but is it possible for a team to cancel one week and just be like, no, we can play next week though? I I don't know. Like where what are you guys we'll be doing at? next week? Yeah, I how don't do you, know. How do you feel about the second weekend in December? Like, <laughs> I I just don't know. But and and that's the big thing right now is no one knows. So I think planning and I don't know if there's a better term than just having as many contingency plans as possible and I kind of think that that's what the Pac-12 did with this format but yeah no I totally understand if it's like week six and a team's like well we can't play then you would assume they won't be able to play for two weeks and then you're like what are they going to make up back-to-back games in December I I don't know I I understand what you're saying yeah it doesn't doesn't really make that much sense but I will say this they're trying. They're trying I, their best. I like – part of me also feels like it was, you know, they're in all these intense meetings, and then it was like, okay, well, what are we going to do about the Pac-12 championship game? It's like, don't schedule it. We're not making it to that anyways. We'll just say that we'll be able to <laughs> move it whenever we get there or something. <laughs> we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. All right. No, um, I, I will say, I like what they've done. Um, I thought maybe – I still think like the big 10 and the PAC 12 acted a little bit too quickly and put a bunch of other schools into a scramble with going non-conference and not having everyone in on the decision. Remember Joe C said it kind of took him by surprise. So I still think that they were a little too quick with it, but I do like that they're still playing football. Yeah. And then another major conference, another power five conference. Uh, There's some reports that it seems like the ACC is leaning towards going with a schedule that has 10 conference games plus one non-conference game that would start September 12th, 19th, or 26th. Hey, pick a weekend in September. Why not? Now, the interesting part is what will happen with Notre Dame. And this has become a highly debated topic. It sounds like that they could just be absorbed into the ACC for this year only. They would be eligible to play in the ACC championship game. Those games would count, obviously, towards the ACC standings. But it's just going to be really interesting. I don't know when the vote is. I would assume it's soon, right, Ted? If this is the plan, and that's what these reports are saying, it'll be interesting to see what the ACC presidents vote on that whole deal because Notre Dame certainly brings you more eyeballs, right? There's no doubt about that. And that's why they already had, what, six ACC opponents scheduled. But they're also pretty damn good. So I could see some of the presidents in the ACC being like, no, 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 no. This isn't good for my football team. I'm not – our school's not supposed to play Notre Dame this year. I don't want to take that L. I I could see that happening – I'm not sure how political this will get. I could see the leadership at Notre Dame saying something to the effect of, take care of us now and we will take care of you down the line. 
possibly. So it's just really interesting. And the Notre Dame aspect of it is fascinating for me. No, I love it. How many teams are in the ACC? 14? Is that right? Like 75 now, right? (laughs) I think so. Well, it's going to go – the voting will go 74 to 1. 74 teams will want them in. Clemson will not. Correct. Okay, because here's what's going to happen. This would be the greatest opportunity for Notre Dame to show up in a conference, play a conference for one year, go to the championship game, win it, and flip the double birds on their way back out of town. Thanks, guys. We'll see you later. We don't need to join a conference. We won that one. What's the big deal? Can you imagine? And everyone in the ACC, like, it's like, yeah, we have to play Notre Dame. That's not really good to add another difficult team to our schedule. But Clemson's won five straight ACC championships. It would be nice if someone could knock them off the horse a little bit, even though if it's not one of us, we need to slow them down. Well, sign me up for an ACC championship game between Notre Dame and Clemson. Listen, and I know some people feel a certain type of way about Notre Dame, right? They don't like that they're independent in football. They don't like the people that have gone to Notre Dame. They don't like the, for lack of a better term, the arrogance that kind of surrounds the program and the people that attend that university. I mean, that's just what it is. Some people just don't like Notre Dame for those reasons. But if you're a college football fan, if you love watching big time games, why would you not want Notre Dame in there? If, and once again, we don't know what the hell is going to happen with the season, but setting up the opportunity for that championship game, that would be incredible. And I, I was talking to Mike, Mike Gola Jr. about it, and I was like, that would be unbelievable. Can you imagine the ratings for a Notre Dame-Clemson conference championship game? I mean, are you kidding me? It's exactly what you want if you're a college football fan. Two big-time teams going at it now once again. Notre Dame would have to win a bunch of games and get to the championship game, and Clemson would have to take care of business, and who knows what North Carolina and some of these other teams in the ACC are going to do. But the fact that that scenario would exist, that that narrative would be there throughout the entire season, that's good for college football. Teddy, that, that, that's what college football needs, especially in this weird-ass season that's about to take place. Right. It's good for everyone except Clemson. Um, so they're set to play. They play Louisville. They play Georgia Tech, Clemson, Duke, Pitt, uh, Wake Forest. So, I mean, they've, they've got a, a good ACC schedule already. So let me ask you this. Since they're already scheduled to play Clemson, if you're Clemson, would you lobby to have them in your division Ooh. or not because here's the I had thing. not thought about that that's like, a stick big, them in the coastal if you put them in your division because you're playing them and that's a divisional game it that's a roll of the dice that if you don't beat them in that game you may not even make it to the conference championship I hadn't even really I, I hadn't really thought about the regular season matchup I was like ah, who really cares but I, I like the I, I kind of had the scenario of whoever loses that game, that's probably their only loss, and they get to the ACC championship game, and it's possible that they're playing that game to go to the college football playoff. But if I was Clemson, 
yeah, you'd want them to be in the other division, right? I, I think you're right. I, I think they'd want to stick them in the coastal. Yeah. And I'm sure that the teams in the coastal would be absolutely thrilled about having Notre Dame in there. Right. I mean, it's it's fascinating for a couple of things. And like the the perfect scenario for not just college football, but for Clemson, for everyone, and I know there's no way you could ever convince Clemson of this, but it would be for them to lose a really tight game at Notre Dame and then play them again in the conference championship for a, a chance for a rematch. I mean, that would where you'd get the best ratings. Like, Clemson goes and beats Notre Dame, okay, they already beat them once. But if Notre Dame wins that game, everyone's going to want to see the rematch. So I think that would be the biggest numbers for TV. Um, I think it would be great for the college football playoff. I mean, that would be an awesome, awesome scenario for the ACC. Because right now, let's be honest, it sucks. The ACC sucks. With Florida State being down, it's been it's been really a really bad conference. So add Notre Dame would be great. They've been really good. What, 11-2 and two last year, college football playoff the year before that. So, yeah, I'm down. Yeah, sign me up. Now, speaking of Clemson, remember, Ted, when they were the uh, corona king of college yeah. football? We just thought that Dabo was having chicken pox parties, having guys spit in each other's mouths. Well, they don't have any coronavirus cases in their program. Now, now on the other hand, Michigan State's entire team somehow – is now quarantining for 14 days. And uh, I understand Michigan State, they had a few staff members test positive. I think they had a player test positive. But the entire damn team has to quarantine for 14 days. I, I'm a little confused on this because it's the first time we've seen this. What, what happened to the contact tracing stuff? What, what happened to – you know, keeping players in small groups and distancing them from the staff during practice. Like, I, I don't understand. Why don't they just test everybody? How dumb were they being with the interactions between players and players and coaches? Teddy, I'm, I'm just confused. I want you to explain it to me like I'm a five-year-old. What the hell happened at Michigan State? I don't know. I've seen nothing reported as to what happened other than the information that you just relayed to the listeners that uh, I originally heard one staff member, and one player, maybe it's uh, multiple staff. I think members. they added is I think a second staff member was added. So, but, but that's only three people. I, I know that's, what's crazy. You've completely shut down uh, right whenever we're starting to head into to things, picking back up. This is, I mean, this is the scenario we're talking about, right? That all along that's had me saying you can't play college football under these uh, circumstances. If they're going to shut down over one staff and one player or two staff and one player for 14 days, what are they going to do? Like training camp is what, Gabe, 10 days away, two weeks away? What do you, is it the same thing then? You're going to stop training camp for 14 days? Because if, if you can't do that, and remember, there was supposed to be some sort of right. Remember the six week preseason plan that we talked a ton about, you know, mm -hmm. kind of the enhanced training camp and then camp like is Michigan State 
going to check off all the boxes, you know, because remember it was supposed to be kind of a ramp up period, right? Are they going to have enough practices under their belt to be able to play their first game? Because remember there were supposed to be that, that was supposed to be the acclimation period for college football in this weird ass off season. And now they're just taking two weeks off during what is supposed to be that ramp up period to get ready to play. I, I just, it's unbelievable to me. I would assume that Michigan State is following the same guidelines medically that most everyone else is. Joe C has talked about the guidelines they're following as far as what constitutes a contact between a, um, a person who tests positive and someone who doesn't. It's like 10 minutes of, of, of close contact without a mask, right? So – if what Michigan State is doing in off-season workouts and they've started, they've been able to do walkthrough, it's kind of some enhanced walkthrough type stuff where, you know, you obviously don't have pads or a helmet on, but you can go through some team, team activities. So they've been actually doing that. So if what Michigan State's been doing and they're following those same contact guidelines that most people are, if that's what they're using for their contact tracing, one player and two staff members has shut the entire thing down. And we're not even playing football yet. So this is the exact same scenario you're going to get during the football season if you have a positive test. It's going to shut everything down. And my, my initial reaction when I saw this was, well, what the hell were they doing to where they are that worried, right? Like, what were they doing? To where they were like, okay, this thing's it, it could get out of control because from all the reports we had heard about Michigan State, they were kind of on the leading edge, right, of getting back to work and being smart about things. And then I don't know if they just relaxed. Maybe I, I don't know. I can't wait for some more details to come out about this because to just shut everything down, I mean, every single guy – what the hell were the Spartans doing? I need to know. Like, were they just I, – I, I don't understand. The first thing I thought is the first thing I think anytime I hear that a team has had a player or a staff member test positive is we're this far into this pandemic and you still haven't figured out how to falsify the test results yet. I mean, <laughs> come on, we're trying to play a college football season here, folks. Well, what are, what we, are we What are we doing, Michigan State? You're, get, you're making us all worried. What are you you're making doing? everyone look bad. You're making us all freak out. You're making the fans nervous. Stop it. All right, Ted, let's move on to our segments. And since it is Monday – we're going to do a little football, guys, talking basketball, FGTB. We've, we've got basketball to talk about, dude. We've got real basketball that took place in the bubble in Orlando. Of course, we're going to talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder because that's our squad. Now, the Thunder scrimmaged the Boston Celtics on Friday. Looked good, 198-84. And then they scrimmaged the Philadelphia 76ers on Sunday, and it did not get off to a good start. That first half – Thunder couldn't hit a three if you would have paid him a million dollars to do it. And there was a big-time comeback by the Thunder's second unit in the third and fourth quarter, and it was really fun to watch, even though it was just a scrimmage. 
they're just scrimmages, but it was so exciting just to see to see the Thunder play in basketball again, Ted. And the Philly comeback was great. I mean, that was that was very entertaining. I found myself watching the game, watching Andre Robertson hit those threes and yelling at the TV. And I was yelling and I was looking at my wife and she looked at me and I was like, this feels so normal. We're screaming at the TV, watching basketball. This is feeling very normal. <laughs> What's not normal about it is it's a scrimmage in a bubble in Orlando, but who cares? Who right? cares? Who cares? I, I'll tell you what I think is, is so cool about, you know, I haven't watched very many of the scrimmages down there. I'll be honest with you, but I have watched some decent bits and chunks of the Oklahoma city thunder stuff. And, this is why I really like this team. It, they look like an AAU team or a little league team having fun at a tournament in, at Disney World right now. Isn't that what it looks like? It, it looks like they're enjoying playing together, which, once again, uh, you and I, we, when we were in the National Football League, we both been in locker rooms. You didn't have to like the guys you played with. I mean, you're, you're co-workers. You don't have to be buddies. You just have to win, right? And it seems like these guys for the Thunder play well together, which is the most important thing. But it also seems like they actually enjoy each other's company, which is a bonus in professional sports. And totally out of the ordinary when it comes to the NBA and – and the NFL, there's always, and there probably is on this team too, but uh, usually there's some visual uh, cues to tell that, uh, yeah, those two guys don't like each other at all. And yeah. we kind of had to watch that and try and figure that out for years with Durant and Westbrook, right? If, if you <laughs> had, had to read the room, what's going if, on here? If you had to guess that one player on the team, like the, the one player on the team that isn't well-liked, I what, Muscala? But then again, he buried a couple threes. He had a, you know, a tip dunk, and the, the bitch was going crazy. I think they even like Muscala. That's a great question. Because even though, like, they all look like they like each other, there's still someone there that they like the least. And I don't know. I'll have to watch. That's, that's the new homework, to figure out who is the least liked Thunder player in the locker room. Now, one guy that certainly I, I don't think is the least liked is Andre Robertson because they played the Celtics on Friday. He plays his first competitive basketball game in over 900 days. And it, it was so cool to watch him just be out on the court again. And then he goes ahead and makes us all damn near cry by hitting back-to-back -back threes to essentially compete, complete the Thunder's comeback against Philly. Ted, I'm not a big just when you, I I am a believer in the plus minus, but not just like one game, one offs plus minus. But the man was a plus twenty nine, and I'm not the most analytical basketball fan on planet Earth. I do like looking kind of at some of the new age nerdy stats in basketball, but even my dumb ass knows that plus twenty nine is real good. Yeah, hey man, whenever you're um, – here's – it's like the missing I, – I don't expect Robertson to all of a sudden come back from this injury and be a 40% three-point guy. I don't expect that at all. But if he could be the defender he is 
and be like a 30% three-point shooter, I mean, it is it changes everything with the Thunder. Everything. Because you can keep him out there and he can you have to defend him out there in the corner and he turns actually into a weapon. I mean, we've played whenever he's out on the floor, we've played four on five offensively for however many years since he's been out there. So um, if that turns into where it's something that's consistent and they can count on him for it, that's a game changer for, for the Thunder. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt. And the shot looks good. The, the hitch is gone. It's it looks nice better and than the old trebuchet shot from the I'm, corner. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I kind of missed the trebuchet just because <laughs> it, I think that would have made a cool T-shirt. <laughs> that would have made a cool T-shirt at some point. But I, incredibly happy for Andre Robertson. I'd said it a lot. I wasn't going to believe that he was going to play in the NBA again until I saw it with my own eyes. And not only is he burying three-pointers now with – really smooth form, but his lateral quickness, he looks like the same guy. It, I, I mean, it's its unbelievable, dude. I, I just hope that he stays healthy and he's able to contribute because he he's starting to look like the old version of him. And I, I don't want to get too excited, right, because he's only played in two games and you, you don't know how that knee's going to hold up physically, but it's just – it's just so damn cool to see him out on the court again. Now, let me ask you something, because you know this team pretty closely. You follow them very closely. You've had probably quite a few interactions with the guys. I was once told something by uh, this guy used to work for the Thunder. So I, I believe him whenever he said this, but it just didn't really make a whole lot of sense. He said, and this is back whenever Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant were still there. And we were all trying to figure out, like, whose team is it? Who really runs that locker room? Who, do, who does the, the whole team gravitate towards? And this gentleman said that the person that runs the locker room is Andre Robertson. He's the, he's the guy that runs the locker room. He's the guy that on the buses. He's the guy. I like what – so, okay, are you just trying to get me even more excited? Like, what are you doing to me right now? Well, I, Ooh, I was just well, asking hot you. hot bothered. I need a second. <laughs> I was just asking. They're going to win you, it all, baby. They're going <laughs> to win it all. Let's go. <laughs> I was just asking if you had ever heard the, kind of the same thing, like behind the scenes, what it was like, uh, because I was shocked to hear that. Yeah, that's surprising. Now, when you've been in the league as long as he had and you had been an elite defender like he had and making the money that he – was making, but no, I don't believe that for a second. There's no what, what Robertson was telling Durant and Westbrook what to do. Come on, man. Come that's, on. That's there's, that was my reaction. There's to no it. way. That's, there's, that was my reaction. I was like, uh, uh, woo, okay. Hey, you've been there. I haven't. All that's hey, all I can I'll, do is that's encouraging, it. though. Yeah. I can guarantee you one thing he's not telling Chris Paul what to do, though. <laughs> I mean, <it's> just, <laughs> right. Right. So, but has anyone ever told uh, Stephen Adams what to do? Is that even possible? Um, no, especially when he looks as healthy as he does right now. First of all, he looks lean, and I know there's been some jokes about what he was doing back in New Zealand, just like wrestling his siblings or whatever the hell he was doing. He needs to do it every off season because the guy is moving incredibly well. You saw him in what was it like 15 minutes in the first half against Boston had 17 and seven and was just all over the place. 
defensively, contesting shots, blocking shots. I mean, he looked the best he's ever looked to me. I think a lot of guys, I mean, not just Thunder players, football guy. I mean, I think everyone just a long time away to where you can't go out. You're not going to restaurants every night. You're just, you're either working on your game or working on your strength and conditioning and working on your injuries that you've had. And I think everyone has, this break has just gotten everyone healthier and feeling better about uh, where they are. I mean, I think it's, I think it's not just the thunder it's not just nba it's all sports yeah and you you see it with some of the young guys on the thunder i mean lou dort looks like he's been doing more curls and if he can hit open threes oh my gosh he's gonna be he's gonna be a deadly weapon for the thunder hell darius Baisley looks like he's added size did some really good things against philadelphia so i'm excited for august 1st to roll around and for them to start playing some some meaningful games. Now they have another scrimmage on Tuesday and I believe it's against Portland and Damian Lillard's status for that is up in the air with some, some discomfort in his foot. So we'll see. But uh, one other piece of information for football guys talking basketball per our man Shams Zion is only going to have to quarantine for four days after returning to the bubble. Remember he had been getting tested Every day when he was away, he'd been tested negative, doing all the right things. So he'll be good to go for their opener against Utah. Of course he'll be good to go. We've been saying it the entire time. There's no way in hell they were going to let Zion Williamson miss that game. There's no way. But I do like the fact that the NBA is working with these guys. That That's smart, and they've done it for other players, not just Zion, but when I saw that report from Shams, all I could think was, yes, I want to watch this big monster play. So if he tests and he tests negative every day, why does he even have to quarantine for four days? There's just no pleasing you, Teddy Lehman. There's no I'm pleasing ju- you. <laughs> I'm just curious. Is that because like the incubation period, like he could have, uh, contracted I, it on the final day, and then there's like an incubation period where you won't trigger I, a positive test? I believe that is probably the scientific thinking behind the four days. Like, hey, as he was traveling back, we need to make sure, right, before we let him get around his teammates, get around the coaches, all those things. I, I think it's kind of just being extra cautious, right? Four days is horrible, though. Do they have a – if he's, like, in four-day quarantine, does that mean, like, for four days he now does absolutely zero? So I believe – and I think – I want to say they maybe made an adjustment where – and I could be wrong. I, I could be remembered this wrong, but it was like there's four days, and I think they built in – it's almost like prison, like some yard time. <laughs> where, where they get like 20 minutes or half an hour to like go outside and like so breathe like some a fresh whistle. air. Back inside. <laughs> I, I think it's like that because originally I believe it was like, you can't leave your room, right? We, it's kind of like when the NBA players got there, right? They had those 36 hours, 48 hours where they couldn't do Four anything. Four days in, in a hotel room. That's a long time, dude. That's a long time just to sit there and not do anything. So It'll be fine. It's fine. All right, Ted, let's move on to our winners and losers of the weekend. 
and they are brought to you by Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. They're licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. Nice. Zion may need that after that four-day quarantine. All right, Ted, who do you have as your winner of the weekend? My winner, and I know we've talked about this a lot, but my winner is the University of Oklahoma football team. And the reason is they play week zero. They get an extra week of training camp. So whenever you build all of this in, they're going to start training camp one week before the University of Tennessee. Okay, so they get extra practice time. They get to play a game, okay, in week zero. They've got two weeks off. So that multiple things. If a star tests positive for the coronavirus or uh, guys who in a weird offseason, you know, how conditioned, how ready are these guys' bodies going to be for contact, physical contact, we don't know. They get an extra week built in sprained ankles, pulled hamstrings, strains, whatever you might have, they get an extra week to regroup and make sure they're completely healthy, work on whatever weaknesses they may have had, sit back, watch Tennessee. So I, I just I think it's I think it's awesome the way that this the first part of the schedule is now going to go down for Oklahoma. They get extra uh practice over pretty much everyone else in college football other than what six teams right um and none of those teams are going to matter whenever it's all said and done Correct. every one of the all every one of the college football playoff teams from recent years is going to be sitting at home while oklahoma's in full-on training camp mode so i think that's huge i think adding an extra bye week in there to try and you know not only figure out what's going on uh, as far as after you play a competition against another team and what may happen there with test, um, you get to kind of gradually build into your season there uh, whenever you play, what, three games in five weeks. So I love it. I think it's a, a win across the board in every category. And remember when all this shit started happening, we were a little worried that Tennessee was going to be ahead of Oklahoma in preparation. Right. I mean, that was a big concern of ours because we thought the SEC out of anybody was going to do whatever they needed to do to get rolling and to start practicing. But you, you just have to give a lot of credit to Lincoln Riley, Joe Castiglione, uh, the leadership there at Oklahoma. Uh, we, we had kind of questioned them waiting till July 1st to bring the guys back and to get rolling with the workouts. And I don't want to jinx it. But I'm going to say it anyways because I don't believe in jinxes because I'm not five. It has gone as well as it possibly can go for them. It has. It really has. And we'll, we'll see what happens when they start playing some real football and guys start hitting each other and all those things. But I don't know well, what else to say other than it's been incredibly impressive. Well, here's the thing. They don't – I mean, almost 
a hundred percent of the time with Oklahoma, it goes the right way. Even whenever there's questions, even whenever it's like, why are we doing this? Why, why is this going on? Uh, almost 100% of the time it works out right. That's not by accident. That's because we have the best athletic director in the country, Joe Castiglione. Like he, there's, he doesn't make a whole lot of public statements about what's happening, what's, what they're going to do. He's working behind the scenes, and even whenever sometimes you may be frustrated, frustrated by lack of, um, you, know, uh, you know, just direction, maybe publicly what's happening, you can rest assured because at the end of the day, whenever it's all said and done, whenever you measure yourself up against all the other 128 or, or however many Division One teams there are, at the end of the day, Joe Castiglione is going to have Oklahoma in the perfect position for whatever it is that they're facing, and this is no exception. Right. All right, who do you have as your loser of the weekend? Oh, my gosh. Uh, Fauci. You know. Oh. He, just a bit outside. You know, he – I, I do. It was bad, dude. It was bad. It was so it, bad. It was bad. And I do feel for him a little bit. You know, here's a extremely old guy, uh, nerd, by the way, who probably hasn't thrown a baseball in 60 years. So I really can't blame him that much. But the opportunity is great. You've gone from, even though it's an incredibly important position, You've gone from nobody in the world knew who you were six months ago. Uh, other than the other nerds, right? right. The other to, infectious disease people. You've gone from that to where everyone in the world knows who you are, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. And he had an opportunity to go out there on opening day, all right, and kick back and fire one down the middle and have everyone, whether they believe what he says or don't believe it, say, you know what? That Fauci guy ain't too bad. Instead, people are saying, oh, I knew it. He even throws like a liberal. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it was a huge opportunity missed for Dr. Fauci out there throwing out the first pitch. And I was, I was sad. I felt bad for him. It was, it was up there with who, who's had some 50, you remember 50 cents. Oh my gosh. Uh, and Carly Ray Jepsen his, wearing his watch. Yeah. Which big watch. I get it. But um, yeah, Bob that was bad. I, from the Howard Stern show has probably the worst one ever. And then he I, tried to redo it again on like the <laughs> show. It is even worse. So yeah, there's been some bad ones. Now the best one, Maybe uh, post 9-11. Oh, there's – it's not Bush. even a debate. It's not even a debate. That is the best there. first pitch of uh, all time. A, wearing a bulletproof vest just fires a strike. No big deal. Right Couple down games. the heart. God, That's that, a playoff game, right? Yeah, and just if, – if you – I go back and watch that first pitch about once a month just to feel something. Ted, like I, I will watch it and be like, okay, I need to get the juices flowing a little bit today. I feel I'm numb. a little something's wrong. Let's let's fire up the. Yeah, G like, I, I got to get something to get me going, and I'm, I'll turn that on. 
just watch him walk out there because you got to remember the gravity of that situation. Oh God. That's one of those. I mean, does it politically, it didn't, didn't matter at the time. And uh, whether you're a sports fan didn't really matter at the time. Everyone was watching that game that night. It was awesome. That was pretty cool. It was awesome. All right. Now my winner of the weekend, Ted magic city in Atlanta. Now, some of us have heard of Magic City Mondays. Personally, I am not a strip club guy. I have never been to Magic City. I have, I, I had many colleagues that would visit that fine establishment. But I'm not sure. And the reason they're my winner of the weekend, I'm not sure you can get a better endorsement for your strip club than this entire Lou Williams situation. Uh, For those of you that don't know, Lou Williams left the NBA bubble in Orlando. He got it approved. He was going to a funeral. Now, while he was away going to this funeral, he stopped in to see our fine friends at Magic City in Atlanta. And it was to pick up to go food. It wasn't a, now I'm sure that that wasn't all he was doing, but shockingly, it's not curbside there. You, you go in to pick it up. They, uh, there were some pictures of him on social media that got out, uh, like a rapper put one out and the cat was out of the bag. And yeah, the guy left the bubble for a funeral and went to Magic City. Because the food is so good and the, let's go with talent, is probably up there if I had to guess. And now he is having to quarantine for 10 days. uh, Is it 10 or? 10. Now they were talking about it being 14, but Shams came out and said it's going to be 10. But the, the interesting part of it is how damn good is the food at Magic City? Like now I'm curious. To where it is worth you having to quarantine quarantine for 10 days. You have to deal with this public, I don't know if he's embarrassed because it's pretty well documented how Lou Williams rolls when it comes to his <laughs> nightlife. I mean, he's, he's about that life. But so you've got the public backlash. You've got the quarantine. And if you're missing games for that, I can't imagine they're going to pay him. No. Right? There's no There's way. No. So... But if you're Magic City in Atlanta, you cannot buy a better endorsement than that. Then, yeah, this guy left the bubble, and he just had to come see us. He had to come see us. Yeah, a couple of things here. First, I just, you know, I I was happy to see that Lou Williams was able to uh, get over his his grieving situation uh, quick enough to stop. He in was there to- he was sad. He needed a little pick me up. Um. That was the first thing. The second thing was the amount of people that came to his defense saying, no, no, you just don't, you don't understand. The wings at Magic City are actually that good <laughs> to where it's, that's, that he's not wrong here. This They're is the amazing. place to get the wings. Uh, so I thought that, I thought that was hilarious. He had a bunch of people coming to his defense there. 
which by the way, Magic City, uh, send us an email if you want. We have uh, sponsorship spots are filling up fast. So, in, in in all seriousness, I think we have maybe room for one more sponsorship. Maybe, maybe. Good stuff. No, but that was uh, that's hilarious. I think if he misses the opener, which I think he's going to, he's going to miss the first two. <laughs> first two. Well, I think the first game is like he. May, or maybe it's both, but it's going to cost them one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So they better be good wings. That's a that's an expensive chicken wing. Just think about though. I mean, that's so much money just to get so some wings, money. bro. And I know he's made a lot of money, but I mean, what are we doing, Lou Williams? Here's the other thing: like, how imagine being a coach or a, a teammate, love, and it's like, <laughs> do you hear Doc Rivers talk about it? He was like, we obviously weren't happy to hear about that, but I, I believe the term he used, he was like, we weren't, I wasn't, uh, no one was on that journey with Lou, so we don't really know, you know, all the details. I was like, journey? What? Yeah, I'm waiting for the uh, Was he on a rapper. quest? <laughs> I'm waiting for the rapper to send out the other picture with Doc Rivers uh, picking up his to-go wings there for Magic City 2 with Lou Williams. No, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing, and Stuff like that has to frustrate the hell out of uh, teammates. I mean, it's two games. Maybe it doesn't matter, but maybe it does, man. Maybe it does. That's It's got to just totally frustrate you. And the other thing, 10 days of quarantine, like four days is hard. Now he's got to do 10 days of just doing nothing but sitting there. It's like the NBA has has – turned into every bad parent out there to where now it's basically an extended timeout you did a dumb thing now go sit in your room you can't do that yeah yeah there, there's consequences lou you can't do that You're all right uh my loser of the weekend nfl players social lives now, unless that maybe they'll just pull a Lou Williams and say, "Fuck it." Maybe I don't. I don't know. <laughs> but, well, well, I can I can guarantee you that guys will. All right. Yeah. Now, whether or not they get caught and they've got a rapper friend that tweets out their picture, I don't know. But because um, that's the thing, if the guy doesn't send out the picture, then maybe no it's not. Yeah, maybe no one knows. But the, yeah, what a bad friend. Now the NFL. And the Players Association, they got a lot done in the last couple of games. Came to agreements on a lot of things. The acclimation period uh, with strength and conditioning and walkthroughs. The practice length and structure during what they're calling the ramp-up period. And they ironed out the details of the contact integration period that will lead up to week one. That's all great. That's all very positive news for NFL fans, for football fans. But according to Pro Football Talk, there is a lot that the players are giving up in this negotiation. And NFL players allegedly can't attend indoor nightclubs. They can't attend indoor bars unless they're picking up to go, to go food. So maybe they can pick up those Magic City Wings. I don't <laughs> know. They can't go to indoor house parties that have more than 15 people. They can't go to concerts. They can't go to professional sporting events that are inside. They can't go to church services that are indoor that allow over 25% capacity. Now, this is the part 
where you know where where it's very clear that the league is serious as hell about this. If an NFL player violates this, they can be fined, which of course, you know, you see NFL players fined about all kinds of things, right? But if a player tests positive for the coronavirus and it is known that they did one of these things and violated what was agreed to, then they won't be paid for the games that they miss. And this is the part where I went, whoa. They can all, that can also, if they violate this and they test positive and it leads to them missing games, it can also lead to future guarantees in their contract being voided. I saw that and I went, oh my God, like the NFL is not playing around with it. Guys just aren't going to have social lives. Teddy, they're just not. They're just going to have to, they're just going to have to deal with it, right? Because just like the Lou Williams situation, if you're an NFL player and you go to one of these places, someone's going to take a picture of you and it's going to get put on Twitter or Instagram. That's just how it's going to be. So these guys aren't going to be able to do any of this stuff. They're just going to be hermits all year. And maybe it'll lead to some better football. I mean, think about this. In the NFL, you get 17 weekly checks. That's all you get. That's your entire salary for the 365-day calendar year. Well, I I mean, I imagine they would have a 14-day quarantine if you test positive. I mean, it may be more than that. So – I could see a situation to where if a guy breaks the rules, then eventually a couple of days later test positive, he could miss three games, right? uh, So you're talking about almost a quarter of your salary if you have to miss three games. Three of your – well, not quite because it's 17, not 16, but three of your 17 checks. If you're Russell Wilson – and Sierra would never let Russell Wilson get out of the house. Right. But you're talking, you know, you're making $40 he gets, million. Dollars. He makes $2 million a game. Because oh. he's over $35 million, Yeah, so he, I think he's, he's somewhere near 40 this year. So it's like – That cost missing. him $7.5, $8 million. <laughs> <laughs> it's just if, – if I'm a big-time NFL player, if, just hire a chef – Hire a bartender. I, I don't know what you do, but you, you just can't go to these places in public. You, you can't go to bars. You can't go to clubs. You can't go to church. <laughs> I mean, you just, you're just going to have to stay home. It's just, you're going to have to deal with it. it. It's part of the job this year. I know that sounds bad, but when I saw that this, and this stuff was collectively bargained, like yeah. this, this was Players agreed, to. agreed to it. So that's, that's part one is you, you stand to lose. Uh, a huge percentage of your check if you do violate this and have to miss games. The second part of this is we are about to see the most competitive season of NFL football in history. I'm talking about record games for all. Everyone is going to be dialed in the entire season. Guys aren't going to – dude – you know how many times I see guys come in? Um, I was – let me just, for the record, <laughs> I was never one of these guys. Oh, <laughs> you came in smelling like tequila, getting in the steam room. I know that was you. Coming in late, uh, you know, pulling in, barely making it to meetings early in the morning after a really long night. 
guys going out on Friday night, uh, barely making it to Saturday walkthroughs. I mean, Monday and Tuesday, getting it in. Guys, uh, if you get a victory Monday, flying to Vegas to go party for two nights. So we are about to see more guys locked in and prepared on Sunday than ever in the history of the NFL going back to the beginning. This or year. or we're going to see a bunch of guys get suspended for violating these rules. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I, I know you're putting your faith in these guys, but come on, man. <laughs> Though it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But, yeah, that – that, that, those are, are some like, interesting restrictions, man. Have you ever seen, um, oh gosh, when, when Johnny Knoxville dresses up like old grandpa? Oh, there's, yeah. There's going to be guys that have like these these get-ups that they're going out on the town in. Like They have like a full makeup artist come and put them in. Just so they makeup. can go to the bar. <laughs> so they can go party. <laughs> we'll see, but I, I thought it was so interesting. Can't wait to see the first guy that messes that up. It's going to be hilarious. All right, Ted, let's finish up with everyone's favorite segment, Keeping It Local, where we highlight what's going on in the great state of Oklahoma. And we had a couple things to choose from. There were some stories about how the housing market here in the Oklahoma City Metro is booming. There's a story about, you know, a ferry getting greenlit to go to the, what is it called, the First Americans Museum now. But then I received a text message from one Theodore Lehman. And you had an idea for keeping it local, just to just to spice it up for this episode. So well, what are we doing? What are we doing? So uh, after a long day at the pool on Saturday evening, it turned into a long discussion, maybe even an argument around the house about who has the best food and what the best place to have pizza is and all of this Ooh. stuff. And it was really turned into just a big argument. And there was one item that I, that I came to that I was like, if, if I'm on death row, last meal, you give me this item and I'm good. that's all I need. Uh, send me off with that. So it got me to thinking like if, if we were to put together uh, our final meal from Oklahoma area restaurants, how would you do it? Okay. In the text message you sent, you said we get three items and a dessert, right? Uh-huh. So quick question. Is that like three entrees? Is, is that considered an item? Yes. Since, Gabe, you'll be dying in the next 24 hours, I'll let you compile this thing any way that you want. Some, sometimes you're so generous, man. You're just so generous. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you lead off. Do you want to, Let's alternate. You give one, I give one. And then, so it's three items and then a dessert, right? Of local That's right. restaurant items that you would have for your last meal if you're on death row. Okay. And I'll start off with my first item. This is the, really the only item that I need. If I have this, I will die a happy man. And I don't, I'm, I'm curious to see if you've ever even had this. This is small town, Oklahoma. Okay. Alpine sticks from Simple Simons. Nope. I don't, nope, not even ringing a bell. So Simple Simon's is like a pizza place from, they're only in, Fort Gibson has one. They're in small towns and they're just kind of random throughout the state. Uh, It's called Simple Simon's and they have this bread that has like, it's got cheese on it and then it's got like 
creamy Italian that's like baked. It's called Alpine sauce. It's like baked on top of it. It is the greatest item ever at any pizza place, any Italian place that I've ever had. And it's at um, the small town Simple Simons in Oklahoma, Alpine Sticks. Alpine Sticks. Mm-hmm. Uh, never had them, to my knowledge. But that sounds it, the fact that you are so passionate about it <laughs> m- makes me like. When are we going to Fort Gibson to get some of these? Like, I uh, what this week? I'm I'm seeing where the closest Simple Simons is right now. I don't even know if there's one on this side of the state, but uh, they're just in random places. I know there's one in Fort Gibson, or at least there used to be. There's one in Eufaula, out randomly by the lake. They're just <laughs> the last time we went to uh, Eufaula, we we were just randomly driving back from the lake on like a Sunday, like mid morning. And we passed simple Simons and I made my wife slam on the brakes, go back. And we sat in the parking <laughs> lot, waited for them to open. And then, ordered. okay, I got to try this place because that's <laughs> ridiculous. Okay. I, I got to try it. I got to try it. All right. Um, my first one, I'm going with a bacon cheeseburger with grilled onions from Nick's here in Oklahoma city. Uh, now I get the curly fries, right? Because I mean, it comes in the same basket, right? So I get the fries with it. That That's fair, right? For you, you like people know this by now that for just a one item for you, it's an entire meal that works. So that's true. That's you true. get everything. So I'm going to go bacon cheeseburger with grilled onions from Nick's grill in Oklahoma city widely widely believed to be the best cheeseburger in Oklahoma and maybe in the country I mean it is next level stuff Ted so that that would be my first item you know I've only been to the one in Midtown I've never oh, been to the original not even now. okay you, so the the griddles got can't it's got to be seasoned over years and years and years right and it's like attached to a house it's it's just it's a bizarre setting. It, it's the, the charm. The, that maybe maybe that's not the word for it, but it's just like, it's a classic hole in the wall where you just pull up and you're like, what the hell is this? And then you eat the food and you're like, that may be the best cheeseburger I've ever had in my entire life. All right. For my second item, uh, it's getting real now. Uh, I'm going with a filet, the whatever, the biggest one, they'll cut me off. Uh, a filet from Mahogany's downtown. And I'm ordering the sucker Pittsburgh style. And it's got my mouth watering right now just thinking about it. That's that's hard to argue with. Now, I I think the weird part about my list is going to be, I'm not even going to have steak on there. Because if I have a choice, and don't get me wrong, I love a good filet. I do. Blue tree scrambles melted on top at Mahogany. Oh, mama. You are, you're too... You're too curious for just a steak. Uh, you've, like, if you pull up to a restaurant and there's a filet on there, that sounds interesting. But, like, what are you known for? And there's, like, that's what you're going to get. It's, like, you're going to dig into the menu a little bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm down for a little exploration, if you know what I'm saying. Now, my next item was a tough one, uh, a tough one because I was like, okay, I can only have one chicken item. Uh, is it, should I go Aishins, you know, take the layup and go Aishins? Should I go chicken fried chicken? 
uh, from Kindles and Noble? Uh, should I go, you know, Bobo's Wings here in Oklahoma City? I, I was just thinking, like, I only have to pick or only get to pick one chicken item. What do I go with? And then it dawned on me. Don't, don't make it too complicated, Gabe. Just take the layup. And this is ridiculous, but I, I love chicken tenders so much. Give me Charleston's chicken <laughs> tender platter. Yes. No coleslaw. I'll replace it with some other side. Maybe the, you know, the broccoli cheese casserole and the fries. But all the dipping sauces, especially the honey, honey mustard, honey mustard, ranch, ketchup, give me all the sauces, all of them. Maybe a little side of buffalo sauce. I don't know. You know, let's get crazy. But I was thinking, I just, if I was about to die, I just want a nice, simple chicken tender that I know is delicious. And Charleston's is, it's right up there for the best restaurant chicken finger. It is. So that's a, yeah, chicken tender platter from Charleston's. And I know that that's so basic, but if I was about to lose, you know, about to, about to die, I want to enjoy some of the simple things in life, Ted. I, well, there was a very serious part of me, Gabe, that wanted to kill just three birds with one stone and go with the roasted chicken and ribs combo from Charleston's. Well, well you talk about carrots. that basically every episode of this podcast, so I was shocked when it wasn't your first pick. <laughs> I thought really long and hard about it. I was going through all these things. I was like, you know, I could just go with the combo from Charleston's. Um, okay, so – my third item. Wait, is, is quick question. Is Charleston's like only Oklahoma? Or is it a chain? Because I feel like I chain. should switch it. Oh, no, it, it's, it's a well, it's a HSRG chain. So he's got them in. I think there's one in Arizona. Did they start maybe, in Oklahoma? I think. I oh, don't know. Um, I don't know. But if it didn't, yes. then sw- that, let's go with yes. But if it didn't, then my my pick switches to Kendall's, not chicken fried steak, the chicken fried chicken at Kendall's. Chicken fried chicken is delicious. Okay, sad admission here. Fried chicken is it's like one of my favorite foods. And I have never been to Aishin's. It's what? just sad. What? Never. Yep, dude, we got some, we got some eating to do here we in the next couple weeks. We got some exploring to do. Don't before we? before we get busy, once the season starts, we got some eating to do, my friend. We got to find a simple Simon's. We got to take you to Aishin's. Oh, that's an easy one. We're definitely. This, I, I can this, guarantee you, we're going to Aishin's in the next couple of weeks. It sounds. This sounds like either a podcast or a TV show uh, where we go around and hit our favorite food spots around Oklahoma. But or yeah. or we could get someone to sponsor such an adventure huh so reach out to us if you want to sponsor teddy and i's food adventure around the state apparently okay so my third item i am i like baked potatoes i like mashed potatoes i mean i like all kind macaroni and cheese i like all kinds of sides but when push comes to shove and i've only got to choose one side i always go with fried okra okay and shockingly Okay, shockingly, the best fried okra I've had is at the Jones Assembly. You like the like big time, yeah, like the real okra, the not legit. like this, dude. The, Don't and, chop up my food for me like I'm a three year old. Okay, give me the full okra. 
So Jones Assembly, you know, whenever I first went there, I was like, hey, this place is nice. We'll see what they have to offer with their fried okra. And they brought it out. And I was like, oh, my God. I, I love, love you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yep, it made the list. Fried okra from Jones Assembly. So, and that's it, right? You're just taking that's the appetizer, fried okra from Jones. And fun fact about the Jones Assembly, Ted, that is where my wife and I had our rehearsal dinner. How about that? And nice. So I, I think that says all you need to know about how I feel about the food there. They do a great job. And they just redid their menu not too long ago. And, ooh, boy, is it good. It's solid. They do – obviously, a lot of people go there to drink, but they, they do do some damn that, so solid food. I went, I went to Jones Assembly like, the, like one or two nights before – you know, maybe it was like the weekend before the Thunder game that got shut with the Gobert deal. It was like the last. It was like the last weekend anyone was out. You know, before all that stuff happened, so it was a lot of fun. It's fun. I always have a good time there, and that concludes our uh, sponsorship read for the Jones Assembly. <laughs> no, um, okay, the last one. It, I have to go pizza. I, I do. I. Dude, I love pizza. I, I love it so much. And this is where it got very tough for me because uh, we probably go eat pizza at Upper Crust the most. We love Hideaway so much. Uh, I mean, there's just so many good pizza places in Oklahoma City. Empire Slice is awesome. Uh, Sauced is awesome. But I just had to go with the one that we eat the most. And I can build my own at Upper Crust here in Oklahoma City. And it would be a pizza, extra cheese, pepperoni, chicken, jalapeno, bacon, several sides of ranch. And it would be a complete submersion in the ranch, Ted. And I'd eat the entire pizza. And I think that that would complement the chicken tenders and the burger well. Now I thought about going chicken parm for the last one, but it had already gone with the, you know, already gone fried chicken. So yeah, I'm going, I'm going with a kind of my build your own pizza that I love at upper crust just because I eat it all the time and it just makes me happy. You never know. Maybe the guards will slide you some chicken parm in for good behavior. Um, Ooh. But upper crust is really good. Uh, here's the one thing that, that I disagree with you on. I, I mean, I'll eat it. Trust me. It's not like it's bad, but I don't do chicken on pizza. Really? Nope. I'm a traditionalist. Pepperoni, sausage, that's about it. I, I really don't have a problem with that. I really don't. This is, this is how much of an idiot I am, Teddy. <laughs> me putting, this is why I put the chicken on the pizza. It makes me feel like I'm eating something healthy. <laughs> like, like, I'm like, you know what? It, this is cheese and these fatty meats, but hey, there's some grilled chicken on here. You know, I'm getting my protein. This is lean. What's up? You know, it's like, I'm still taking care of myself while treating myself. Like, you're not a just complete monster scarfing down this entire thing of meat and bread and cheese. It's like, no, 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 grilled chicken, that's good for me. Like, uh, like 
I'm still fueling my body. My body is a temple. That, that's kind of why the chicken's on there. I'm not going to lie. I, I don't know if I, I'd really thought about that till I just had this moment of realization. I love it. It's kind of like whenever you get uh, your receipt back, you know, and it says, look, you saved $10. It's like, oh, cool. But then you're like, hang on a second. You can't save money by spending money. So I didn't save no, no, anything. No, 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 no. I don't want to hear that, <laughs> especially when there's like the online sales. It's like Nordstrom or one of those places where it's like 60% off. I, I'm basically stealing from these people. Look at these idiots giving me these great deals. Oh, I, I am I am the king of that. Like, I saved 300 bucks. Well, Gabe, you spent 2000 Well, still, I saved 300 bucks. <laughs> Okay, for my dessert, I went, I thought about this and thought about it and thought about it. And there's a lot of things that I like, but sometimes it's the most simple that are the best, right? Ooh. And I, this to me has never steered me wrong. It's fantastic. Every, every single time that I go, uh, it just, it doesn't really get any better for me. A vanilla concrete with strawberry from Rusty's Custard. Ooh. Pretty simple, but I'm just telling you, because a lot of people don't like the custard. It's too rich or, or whatever. I oh, absolutely love it. And Rusty's is so good. That one in Norman. Is that the only one, that one in Norman? I think so. I, I used so. to go to that one all the time when I was a kid. We'd go there after the OU games. I, I'd go with my grandma or my cousin Ooh, I was yeah, destined to be here. an offensive went, line with the amount of Rusties I was eating as a child. Yeah, uh, I went uh, I, I went so often that, you know, whenever you pull up to a custard place and they kind of know you, it's like, hey, it's good to see you. It's like, man, maybe I'm coming here too often. <laughs> <laughs> no judgment. Now, when you sent that text message, this was the first thing that came to my mind because it said three items and dessert, and there was no hesitation. And it is, it's, I don't even know, a lot, some people wouldn't even consider it a dessert, but it would have to be a cinnamon roll from Chartel Cafe here in Oklahoma mm. City. It is, in my opinion, it's the best cinnamon roll in all of Oklahoma. Now, I haven't tried them all, so if you guys want to send me your cinnamon rolls, just hit me up on Twitter. I'll try them all. I, Teddy, I love cinnamon rolls the versatility of a cinnamon roll you can eat it for breakfast you can eat it at lunch you can eat it at dinner as a dessert it doesn't matter it its versatility is unmatched when it but, and when it's done properly it's fantastic and they will they it's nice and hot when they bring it to you but it's not too hot so it's not like runny it's mm -hmm. it, the cinnamon roll from chartel cafe is perfect it is perfect i have not had a cinnamon roll and like you said it's just simple there's no frills they don't put any crazy shit on it it's just the cinnamon roll and the icing and they don't need anything else and i'm gonna go ahead and give myself some of the coffee as well because i get a couple <laughs> add-ons because you know how i roll and i'm just realizing that this was for death row when they kill me I mean, whatever's coming out of my body. They're going to oh have a boy. mess on their hands. Oh, my gosh. 
<laughs> oh, that's great. I love a good cinnamon roll. I'm going to have to check that out. I've never, I've never had uh, a cinnamon roll from the Chartel Cafe. I'm, that's, I learned something here. I love it. So that's a pretty good list. Nick's bacon and cheeseburger, Charleston tenders, upper crust pizza. This is a regular Saturday night for you, right? These are like the – and no joke, these are like the places I always eat. So some people would want something elaborate. It's like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with what I know, right? Fantastic. Good stuff, dude. So I've, I, I got to go to Aishin's though, man. I, we'll I've go. been putting it off for so long. Here, how about this? Our new house is almost done. You and the wife will come over. We will have beverages. And this is a very Oklahoma thing. People get party buses and they drink the entire way out to Okarchi and you drink because they have the pitchers of beer there at Aishans and you eat the chicken and you eat the okra. And if you're a real Aishans person, you get the nachos, which a lot of people don't do, but they are pretty delicious. I don't know why. And that way you don't have to worry about driving and you can get nice and drunk. So that's happening in the next couple of weeks. Guarantee Sign it. My me friend. Up. I love it. That's fantastic. All right, Ted, episode 28, episode 28 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Thursday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400. You can hear me on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening and do what you always do, Obama. Take care of each other. Just one more.